Welcome to Talk No Jutsu. I'm Smug Donuts here with my wife, Spiral Fishcake, and we're here to talk about anime. Anime is an important part of our culture! On this episode, we're going to talk about our trip to Chicago Comic Entertainment Expo, and then we're going to talk about some anime we've been watching recently, like Attack on Titan, My Dress Up Darling, Comey Can't Communicate, and many more. So first off, we went to Chicago Comic Entertainment Expo. We did. And we saw a bunch of voice actors there, English voice actors. The last convention we went to, we went to Indy. We were only there for one day, but this time we got to stay for all three days. So we got to see quite a few things, which was awesome. The first panel we went to was the Zach Aguilar panel, also known as the dub voice actor for Tanjiro. And he also voices Krom in Super Smash Brothers for any of you Smash players out there. Yeah, he seemed really cool. And he was the only one that we saw that was like by himself on the panel. Yeah. But just in general, he just seemed like a really cool guy. His panel was the first thing we went to. So it was kind of a nice opening to what the rest of the convention would bring. What I thought was interesting about his panel was I was sitting in the audience ready and waiting to have a bunch of people ask about Demon Slayer. And I feel like barely anybody asked him about Demon Slayer. And they were more asking him, how did you become a voice actor? What do I need to do? Which I understand that because he's, I think, 23. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's very, I mean, obviously a very successful voice actor already, which is awesome for him. So I think a lot of people there were aspiring voice actors and kind of wanted to know, all right, how are you able to get so many roles at this point in your career? But I guess he's been doing it for a really long time. Like he's been voice acting since I think he was like 14 yeah, voice acting like or acting. Like he he got into it super duper early because his yeah. mom his mom would take him from school to be able to record and stuff. Like he was working right. while he was actively in school. Right. So while a lot of people maybe don't get their start until around that age, he's been doing it for a long time. Yeah. And it sounded like that was hard for him because his friends didn't quite understand at the time. <laughs> like what he was doing. But I think they maybe understand now that he was he's voiced in like the number one movie of 2020 <laughs> or whatever. That was so funny when some somebody asked him something along the lines of like, has voicing Tanjiro in, the, in a movie that's the number one best-selling movie opened any more doors for you? And he was like, I mean, not necessarily, but... It's something nice to put on a resume. Yeah, is what he said. <laughs> he's like, not he necessarily. But then he was like, he said something like, oh, it's not like, oh, do you know who I am? Like, I'm t- I'm Tanjiro in Mugen Train. Like, I'm a big deal. He was just joking. It was really funny. He seemed like he had a really good sense of humor and he kept talking about how socially awkward he was. Yeah. He definitely seemed like somebody who really thought that he was more socially awkward than he was. Because yes, he wasn't socially awkward except for when he tried to be. Yeah, he seemed really, really nice. And he handled some very interesting comments very well. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell him. There was one girl. She comes up to him and she's just like, later on she asked him, I think, a voice acting question. But at first she's like, so you're 23, right? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, are you single? <laughs> and he's like, yes. <laughs> she's like, can I have your number? 
<laughs> and he's like, um, she's like, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And then she asked her question. But then later on, he was talking about how now that he's voiced characters who have really strong relationships with their sisters, he he's an only child. So this has now led him to kind of think more about his other family, like cousins and things like that, and like appreciate his family more than what he maybe had before because he has to tap into that like emotional place thinking about siblings and stuff. And the girl goes... I think I'll be your sister, (laughs) (laughs) and I think she was dressed as Nezuko, as I if I I recall correctly. So it was just like really weird, and he just kind of laughed about it. But I was just inside, just like, oh my gosh, why are all these people so thirsty for this poor young man? Like, leave (laughs) him alone. Oh my gosh. But yeah, his his panel was really eventful in those in that regard. And a bunch of people came up and asked him about his streaming too. They did, yeah. And he doesn't even stream that much anymore, apparently. I, I guess he used to stream a lot on Twitch, which is pretty cool. I didn't know that. All voice actors, it seems, that are popular at least, are getting so busy. Now they audition constantly rather than just when they can get time in the booths. Well, now they record at their homes since COVID. So yeah, that's what everybody kept saying. Yeah, over all of and them over said it was such a big change. They refer to it as the before times, before COVID, and now it's like, <laughs> well, we just all have home equipment, and we just all do that at home. Something I noticed about him in comparison to some of the other voice actors that we heard on other panels is that his voice didn't sound like Tanjiro when he just talked. Yeah, it was like very few times that he said something and it was like, that kind of sounds like Tanjiro, but only in the way where like, if you know a voice actor really well, you can kind of tell their patterns of speech in a different voice, different roles. And he kind of had that once in a while with his natural speaking voice. He kind of spoke a little bit like Tanjiro, but like it was so hard to tell. I think it's just because you can't tell as easily when they voice a boy character, like a younger boy character if it's a man talking and his voice is deeper than Tanjiro. I don't know. I think it's just his range. Yeah, he has a huge range. He voiced... Genos too in uh, One Punch Man. Yeah, he voiced some deep characters and the stuff that came out of his mouth. It's not like he had a particularly high voice, but I was not expecting... Well, Tanjiro is a particularly high voice. Yeah, kind of. It's just his natural speaking voice. I guess I just didn't think to myself, wow, this dude probably has this huge range where he can go super low, but he did and it sounded so natural. I was like, this is insane. Nobody asked him about One Punch Man either, which was interesting. And I thought it was is funny how many people actually asked him about Crom. He's very into video games. You, you were talking about Crom and that reminded me. Yeah. And he told some video game related stories. Like part of why he got into voice acting was because of the Halo guy, Master Chief. That's right. He was yeah. very into the Master Chief yes. voice acting. And so he, when he was playing shooters as a kid, he would do voices over the voice chat because he was so young that his high pitched voice would tip people off that he's a child. But then <laughs> he would go on and be like, Hey guys, <laughs> you know, like deeper voice, right? Trying to do an impression of the other people, and then they treated him like a normal, regular player, and that's how he got into voicing. At first, was trying to do different voices over uh, shooting games. I thought that was a really funny. Yeah, that was a funny story. I liked his panel because it felt like personal. Like I felt like I learned a lot about him. I learned a lot about his journey into voice acting. And you could tell he's very passionate about it. And I thought that that was pretty cool. 
So overall, I thought he had a really good panel. I thought some of the people's comments were really hilarious. I will definitely remember that forever. Some of the things people said. I was glad that was our first introduction to Comic-Con. We literally like arrived, got our stuff in our hotel room, and then went straight to his panel. The next panel we went to may have been my favorite. I don't know. They were all so good. Was the My Hero Academia panel. And there was a lot of people who are the dub voice actors at this panel. I'll say who all was there. So Justin Briner, who plays Deku. Clifford Chapin, who plays Bakugo. David Matronga, who plays Todoroki. Eric Vale, who plays Shigaraki. Trina Nishimura, who plays Jiro. Rico Fajardo, who plays Mirio. And then Kristen McGuire, who plays Tatami Makagami. And so there was a lot of people there. It was awesome. We were in the main stage. So it was this huge, you know, this huge room, obviously. And they're like all up on the stage and you can see it on this huge screen. And the energy in that room was just crazy. Like you look around and there's a bunch of people who are younger. And then there's people there with their kids. And they're all cosplaying together as a family. That was the wildest thing is their age ranges. And what was crazy too is one of the questions I think they asked in that panel was how many people started watching the show in 2020 or 2021. And most of the people raised their hands and it was so bizarre. I was like, oh my God, these are the Comic-Con people. Like these are the people crazy enough to go to this entertainment (laughs) expo. And they've gone from know my hero to 100% dressing up a cosplay (laughs) going to these panels like in a year (laughs) i thought that was awesome honestly because when i think like of our first anime i mean obviously we're older so we think of like dragon ball z we think of pokemon we think of digimon and Yu-Gi-Oh, all that kind of stuff so i think it's really cool that there's this whole new generation of people who their first anime is my hero academia or something like that and i know the my hero fandom can be a little crazy sometimes with some of their shipping and you know all of that stuff but i have found that a lot of my hero fans are very passionate and i think that that's awesome and you could really feel that in the room and they had a lot of really good questions for the panel sometimes you'll get into a panel and it, a lot of times you know when it's a Q&A kind of panel like all of these ones were sometimes it could get really boring if the people don't ask good questions or interesting questions but the people in the audience really asked some good questions and I was pleasantly surprised because I wasn't I just wasn't sure if people were going to be weird or, or what although someone did ask Clifford Japen's phone number <laughs> Yeah, and his wife is sitting right there next right to him, next to him. <laughs> and I didn't know that was his wife. I knew he was married, but I didn't know that was his wife right there. Yeah, they kept on making jokes. They, they like rib each other a lot, and they kept on making jokes like, "Well, I don't know how long this is gonna work out." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and they just got married like that month. They've been together basically. for a while, though. Oh yeah, yeah. They they very clearly love each other very much, but it was just funny. It was their so their funny. dynamic is so fun and great. It was, but she was immediately like. Um, he's married. <laughs> he's taken. <laughs> it's like, what is it with people asking people's phone numbers at panels? Like, come on, they're not going to give it to you. Oh, and another thing that she did is she kept saying that she liked the characters that he voiced. <laughs> He would say he liked somebody else. <laughs> but she would be like, I like his character. And then you. <laughs> and then he's like, I like this other character. That was really funny. 
We also learned at this panel that we have been saying our beloved voice oh, actor's no. name wrong for like years now. We've been saying Clifford Chapin. It's Clifford Chapin. And I was so sad when they said his name on the stage. And I was like, that's not how I've been saying it. I got mixed up with the name Chaplin or something. I was just mixed up when I first pronounced that, I so think. So now, now it's making me question my pronunciations of everything. You know, I thought Violet Evergarden was a robot. This is not the dumbest <laughs> that we've been on the oh, show. Well, but anyway, anyway. <laughs> Clifford, if you're listening, we're so sorry for pronouncing your last name wrong for two years now. We apologize. Yeah, so that was a really good panel. I loved how each of the voice actors seemed to embody their characters' personalities a little bit. Yes! A little, yeah, at least a little bit for all of them. Yeah, like David Montraga, who plays Todoroki, they would ask him a question. He'd be like, huh, you know, I need to I need to think about that. And I feel like yeah. Todoroki's kind of like that. And then Eric Vale, who plays Shigaraki. He would, has to be the one that least embodies his character. Yeah, but he would, <laughs> but he would say things like just sarcastically yeah, or like he would be pretty quiet the whole time i, I don't, don't know, know. when he eric vale spoke he he was hilarious to me he was hilarious and then justin briner just has like an energy <laughs> about him i knew you were gonna say he had an energy i don't know what it i don't know if it's deku's energy but it's like it's an energy for real Rico Fajardo is exactly Mario. Amazing. He's literally amazing. He is. Just I, like Mario. He is. I didn't know anything about him before this panel. Now. No. And now I'm a huge fan. I am a huge fan. He was in... He um, was delightful. He was in a couple other panels, too. Yeah, he was in the Dr. Stone panel. And was he in the... Was he in the AOT one, too? I don't remember. I don't think so. But he was great in the Dr. Stone panel. He was. He's delightful. He's anyway, like... We'll get to the Dr. Stone panel. He's but, like so sunshiny and positive, like Mario, you know, how he yeah. just always turns everything around. And he was he was exactly the same way. So that was pretty cool. But so. like the energy in that panel was great. And it felt like they were, would let a bunch of the voice actors answer, not just one of them. Yeah. So they would like go around the room and answer one by one. And every time they all had really interesting, thoughtful answers. Right. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm here to get paid. They were really performing up there just like they would for the show, really working really hard to give us a good show. They were. I think one of my favorite questions was, say something your character would never say. <laughs> and Clifford, Clifford Jabin responded, eh, Deku's got this. <laughs> That was so funny. That was so funny. Yeah, they they all seem to really have a good chemistry with each other and really like get what did, along. What well. did Deku so say cool. to that? What did uh? I don't Justin Briner. I don't remember anyone else's answers, oh. but I remember his because I thought it was hilarious. And obviously, he's my favorite. So I'm trying. I can't remember. Also, was it I, something about his legs? Oh, I think he said something like, I guess I'll stop breaking my limbs now or something. Like oh. <laughs> I forget. Like, I'll never break anything again. Something like that, maybe. Yeah. Also, Clifford wore a Bakugo mask all three days of the convention. Yeah, he wore a face mask. Yeah. Like a cloth face mask. And it had orange stripes going across it. Right, right. Yeah. I just loved how he represented him every day but and he no, did not take that thing he off didn't or he take had it three off. copies of it one of the two he didn't take it off and everybody else on the stage wherever he was would take off their mask but he left that on i'm like yep that's right you're passionate about bakugo you got to keep that on there man 
Gosh, it was so exciting to see him. It was. It was awesome. And it was awesome to see everyone together. That was a great panel. There's something special, I think, when a panel is on the main stage like that. And when everyone is just so excited and asking so many good questions and people were lining up everywhere. And people would thank them a lot about and tell them how much My Hero Academia meant to them. And they said how much the fans meant to them, too. And it was just awesome. It was just a lot of positive energy, which was great to see. It is really great to see. I feel like we have been too hard on My Hero. My Hero's great, everybody. (laughs) First three seasons, anyway. Hey, hey, hey. Get this negative energy out of here. And and speaking of Clifford Chapin, though, do you know it was a real Clifford Chapin celebration? The The Doctor Stone Stone panel? panel. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it was. That was amazing. Literally, we sat down at that panel and they just start talking about Clifford Chapin. And they do not stop talking about Clifford Chapin until the panel's halfway over. He's not in it. He's not in it. (laughs) (laughs) He was the director. director, But he did such a good job. So at that panel was Clifford Chapin, who was the ADR director, like we said, for that. Justin Briner, who voices Ginro. Kristen McGuire, who plays Ruri, the princess. And then Rico Fajardo, who we mentioned earlier, was delightful. So all four of them together have great chemistry. They were all hilarious. They were so much fun to watch. And like you were saying, I feel like half the time they just talked about how great Clifford is as a director, but it's true. Like from what he was saying, it was really cool to hear his process of how much thought he puts into certain things with directing, like how important it is that certain pronunciations of words are correct. What he was saying about the one character who speaks pig Latin about his mm-hmm. like vocal cord. How he was saying that, was that the sub, that the sub blew that. They translate yeah. for the sub as well for people who are like sub is better than dub for dr stone you gotta gotta watch the dub apparently because they just completely ignore a vocal quirk in there whereas the dub maintains it which it kind of throws me off a little bit that the dub maintains it but it's in the manga so it would throw you off in the manga too i don't love that that character but it was in the it's something that he does in the actual manga i was surprised to hear that the sub just totally didn't include that it was such a fun story what they said about that scientist I forget the name of the scientist now, but it was this really weird, hard scientist name. And so they tried to contact the guy to just voice his name. Yeah. So they want to find out the pronunciation of his name. So they got in contact with him because the line that he says that the voice actor that would play him says is he would be on TV and he would just say his name. Right. So they were in contact with him to ask him about the pronunciation of his name. They were trying to like ask people that worked with him and stuff, but they eventually got in contact with him with the actual scientists because he was still alive Mm -hmm. and then they were like wait a second what if we got him to voice act his own name and they got so close they they felt like if they had one more day to just talk with this guy they would have convinced him but apparently it didn't make it into the show but it's so cool that they had that idea and tried to go through with it yeah that's how much effort and care they put into it and into verifying pronunciations of words for dr stone do you realize how many words you have to pronounce that only like science um, people would know like yeah. deeply into science people would know yeah it's 
crazy. That was cool. It was also cool to hear about how much everybody appreciates his directing because we have always talked about how we have found him to be a really good director. Yeah. And when, we, when we're looking for shows that we want to watch dubbed, especially if they're comedies, we'll be like, you know what? Let's try to find one that Clifford Chapin was the, was the ADR director for and we'll go from there. I mean, they're almost always just really great. He made it sound like he doesn't really do that anymore as much. Yeah, he made it sound that way. I don't know if that's true or not. Because yeah, sometimes people not. in different parts of their life will just say stuff, but they won't necessarily go through with it. Or like when more work is offered to them, they'll pick it up. Yeah, but so I don't He was know. so good. And it sounded like his process was really amazing. He was explaining as well. I know in the last convention that we were at, Maley Flanagan sort of ripped the sub a little bit and like said... <laughs> Well, we put all this effort into watching the flaps. Yeah, well, she did a little bit. He was saying, well, in the sub, they have to translate based off of the amount of space that's on your screen. Right, right. So sometimes they translate the line wrong so that it will fill up the screen a certain way. Right, It'll because only be they only line. get so many characters to put on the screen at once. Right, whereas the dub can be a little bit more free because it just has to match the flaps. Yeah, I was like, oh, whoa, <laughs> more, <laughs> more ripping the, the subs. Sub. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like if you were somebody in the dub acting industry, they all have said that they respect the Japanese actors and like. Oh, immensely. Yeah. And they even mm. mentioned their favorite sub actors. Right, right. But I feel like you also have to have some pride and like, well, but we do this a little <laughs> better. That For would real? be that would be me if I were there. I mean, I feel the same way. I feel proud when a dub does really well, but I feel really me proud too. when a sub does really well too. Yeah, me too. Because there's sometimes sub is really good. Sometimes the dub is really good. But they were all just really congratulatory toward him and saying that he's the best. Yeah. And he is a really great director, I feel like. Yeah, for sure. I feel like he always puts in the extra effort, as he said, to make sure that it sounds like a conversation of people like talking to each other and understanding where to like jump in and correct people. Mm -hmm. And like when people aren't in the right mood, how to get them back up into the right mood he was telling a story as well of like how in certain situations where the person he's directing is down and they need to perk back up and like he's saying hey you need to do this line again but they're sad that they got the line wrong he would say something like wouldn't it be great if we got this person to do the line instead yeah so he would say like if it was the voice actress for rory who's his wife Mm -hmm. he would say something like oh wouldn't it just be great if colleen clinkmere who is the dub voice actor for luffy and and many many other characters she was in here voicing this instead and would just like like, like joke it with them and rib them. It wasn't a male one? No, he said that Colleen Clickenbeard one to her, but yeah, he would <laughs> He would also like... He yeah, would, he would he, say the opposite gender person so they yeah. would know it's a joke. Yeah, yeah. So it was just funny. Another thing I thought was funny just character-wise was he was telling the story about Aaron Dismuk who plays, plays Senku. Yes, I love this one. Yeah, he was talking about how he gets into character and he had mentioned that apparently he says something along the lines of like they may be strong but i'm evil (laughs) (laughs) and that's how he like gets into character and i guess i've never really thought about senku as being like evil but he is like a mad scientist kind of really is and that's like kind of how he he talks as well he he does and i love when clifford was talking about how he had to cast this and how he didn't have any time to cast and so he's like you know who has this voice that would fit senku he's like oh aaron dismook he has a really weird beautiful voice (laughs) 
It was just funny the way he said that. I also loved how they all talked about the ideology behind Dr. Stone, which I feel like doesn't get talked about very much at all. And I love it about like what the people who are strong were thinking and what the people who were in the science side were thinking and what that might mean. And should we as a society just start all over and get rid of people or like who's right here? And Rico was like really passionate about it and thought it was super cool. That was really awesome. And it's cool to just see people who clearly love the show that much. Whereas like in all the other panels we went to, they like love their show just because they were in it for so long, I feel like. And it's like been this really deep Part of their life so they don't feel like talking about the show dr stone they like talked about the deep parts of the show same with aot they talked about it like they were watching the show as well <laughs> like oh my yeah. gosh it was so exciting to like see the philosophy of all of it and i think that's the cool part of seeing panels for shows that are currently airing because they're all in it right now right mm-hmm. and it's not that there's anything negative about the other panels we've been to because they were also amazing as well but like there's some just something really cool when they're like so passionate and they're so in it right now and they're like we don't know some of the things you guys don't know either so we're finding out and it's awesome yeah Yeah. i loved it that panel was so great i think that might be my favorite panel period it was just really the energy in that panel was just so awesome and everybody was just having such a great time obviously i just like seeing clifford chapin talk for a long time about his process and stuff but he was on every single panel besides the zach aguilar one that we yeah, went to which if he was in the zach aguilar panel to talk about aguilar i would have been happy yeah i would have been fine not gonna lie like 90 percent of the reason we went to this convention was because clifford jabin was gonna be there yeah i literally saw his name and then i brought it up spiral fish cake and i was like if i say this we're probably gonna go even though we just went to a panel but how could we not go to the clifford chapin one yeah even though we just went to a convention like when you see clifford chapin's name you figure out how to get there yeah and i kind of wanted to go to a bigger one after indie comic-con yeah that one that one was good but but... i kind of wanted to go to a bigger one rather than just the one small one yeah and it felt bad that we only went one day yeah it's a lot more fun when you can go all three days going at all is awesome going all three days there's something special about that so our final panel that we went to was the attack on titan cast panel this was like day three so everybody had been there for a long time and it was was really surprising to me just how many people went up with like questions about the show trying to get sneak peeks and stuff and be like can you tell us anything (laughs) and they're like we don't know either people we don't know what's going on yeah but at the same time they were like but also everybody at who's read the manga we know (laughs) Don't spoil anything. (laughs) Come on. So the people who were there for this panel were Trina Nishimura, who plays Mikasa, Clifford Chapin, who plays Connie, David Montraga, who plays Bertolt. This was one of the smaller panels, but it was awesome. It was so funny because Clifford Chapin was talking about when he auditioned. I forget who he said he had had auditioned for, but he had said that he thought Connie was a bully. And this was obviously before My Hero Academia when the first season came out. And he was like, yeah, I just, I thought I, Connie was a bully and I couldn't imagine myself playing a bully. And we all laughed. He's like, yeah, yeah, now it's, you know, funny because Bakugo is a bully. And he was like, but then it turned out Connie's not a bully at all. He's kind of <laughs> stupid, actually. And the guy who had casted him was like, yeah, there's just something in your voice, something about you that fit Connie. He's like, what is it about me that fit Connie that like made him think I was kind of dumb or something? He's like, I don't know, but. 
I'm glad. I like Connie. I have a good time voicing him, so it's just funny. It was interesting in that one because it's mm-hmm. a show more about the plot and the story and the reveals. Hearing them talk about how they didn't know about anything. Even people who are in it, they basically found out like the same way we find out. And of course, I can't talk about Attack on Titan spoilers. We cannot. But one of them literally was involved in one of the major stories. And in the show, the character he was voicing finds out the same way he did. They're like, you're going to say that now? <laughs> like, yeah, all of a like, sudden? And so he like, found here. out the same time of his character and had the reaction <laughs> at the exact same time. It was crazy. That was hilarious. I think people who've seen it will know what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. So it was cool seeing everybody there and it was cool hearing them talk about some of the other cast members too and how much they liked working with them. They said that Bryce Pappenbrook, who voices Aaron, was a pretty cool guy and that they liked working with him. And Zach, who also works with him on Demon Slayer, said he was cool too. So it was nice hearing from multiple people that the same voice actor that you hear so much is is actually a really cool person in real life. Do you think that he also drinks coffee for <laughs> for Aaron, Aaron to get to get edgy? In, in season four. So Zach had said, we didn't mention this before, but Zach had said that Bryce prepares for a nosuke by drinking black coffee because it makes him really angry. <laughs> so it just gets them in the mood to be angry. It was fun hearing some of the background of like what people do to prepare. That was really funny to hear. I wonder what he, he does to prepare for Aaron. I don't know. That's a good question. The AOT panel was also a delight, although they kept talking about food the they entire did. time. It was like, Okay, it was like 1230. Okay, <laughs> they were hungry. We were hungry. We understood. They were looking for restaurant recommendations, <laughs> talking about food they recently They had. also talked about how hard it is to voice depressing oh, stuff. Yeah. And Trina had said that she doesn't really watch back some of these things because they're really hard for her. Trina, who voices Mikasa, also voices Kirisu in Steins Gate, obviously another depressing anime if you've seen it. And it was interesting hearing her process like saying how when she gets into those really like dark places how it's hard for her to come back and what she has to do to come back from that after feeling it so deeply so it'll be interesting to see because I've heard that AOT just keeps getting darker and darker I wonder how everybody will deal with what happens or doesn't happen to their characters and everything yeah I'm really I have not seen how it ends so I'm not spoiling anything I wonder how dark it's gonna be like I swear people who read the manga see like they're sad so everyone is just sad like it gave me depression so yeah so i'm really nervous <laughs> we'll see so i hope that all of them are okay overall all of our panels were i think pretty like equally good i have trouble saying exactly which one was my favorite they were all great and all of the actors obviously had passion for what they do and passion for the show that they're in and you know seem to really have a great chemistry with a lot of the other people that they voice act with so that was really awesome to see. I really liked that. On our last day, we went to two different events. We went to a Oran High School host club tea party, which was interesting. Yeah, it was <laughs> It was uh, a little entertaining. It was not my favorite event. 
But you got a Tamaki sticker. I did. So we were waiting for the AOT panel. So we were there, and I'm like, you know, I have nowhere else to really be. Like, I'm just waiting for the AOT panel. Like, you know, I'll just see. I'll just see how this all turns out. It was like a cosplay group that teamed up with another cosplay person. Yeah, a um, couple, like, coupled people. Yeah, and the cosplay person that they teamed up with that played Honey. Yeah, she, she was delightful. Great. She stayed in character the entire time. Yeah. So they had all dressed up as all of the different characters. So Haruhi, Tamaki, the twins. And apparently that was her first time playing Honey. Really? I think she said that. Maybe I'm wrong. I anyway, don't remember her I don't know who the person is, so I can't exactly give proper <laughs> shout out. But Shout out to whoever was playing Honey at C2E2, if you're listening. Yeah, so there's a lot of like Simon Says in, in Truth or Dare. The twins had to do a couple dances. That, that was pretty entertaining. So yeah, not our favorite event, but like Smug Donut said, I did get a Tamaki sticker out of it, which was pretty awesome. I went up there and I was one of the last ones to get up there. I thought I would like have to fight over Tamaki stickers, but no, there were plenty there. Apparently, I think you might be one of the only people who like Tamaki that why? much. I love Tamaki. Why does no one else seem to... Everyone's like on board with the twins. The twins. Yeah, whatever. I feel like the twins are overrated and Tamaki is the best. We also went to a maid cafe, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, our maid was Usagi. She was so which cool. Which means rabbit. Yeah, and, she was uh, cool. She was cool. We played this game where she gives small descriptions of things, and then we each try to guess the word that right. she's describing, which was not as easy as you would think. It wasn't. It was kind of hard, but it was a lot of fun. There's a, quite a few maids, and there are also butlers at this cafe, and they did some really cute dances in the beginning. Yeah, some really of my adorable. only idea of a maid cafe is from lucky star and i feel like it felt very similar to that <laughs> <laughs> i've never really seen lucky star i've only seen a few episodes but there's a part in lucky star major spoilers for lucky star <laughs> <laughs> where um where kanata works at a maid cafe and she dresses up as Haruhi Suzumiya, which the voice of Kanata is the same voice as the voice for Haruhi. <laughs> so it's kind of like an inside joke. And they did it in the dub too. So both the sub and dub, mm -hmm. they both have the same voice for Kanata and Haruhi Suzumiya, which I thought was funny. But yeah, they have her and the other characters do like a dance in the same way. And we got to see that in this maid cafe and we took picture with our maid and like that was um, fun. took a big group picture as well. And she yeah. like drew a picture on our little Polaroid. Yeah, it was cute. It was honestly really adorable. We couldn't eat food because of COVID. So that was a little bit of a bummer. That was a shame. I've always wanted to have maid cafe food. Me too. I was like, I'm there, like what is it? It looks like, like always delicious sweets. That's true. Maybe one day in the future. Yeah, when, if we ever go visit Japan, we're definitely stopping by some maid cafes. <laughs> yeah, we will. It was still really fun, though. But the table behind us just kept laughing and joking. Like, most of our table, they were all cool. But they were, like, kind of shy, which is fine. But the table behind us was, like, going insane, just laughing, like, hysterically yeah, I wish stuff. I was at that table. <laughs> I know. Part of me was like, can I, like, go over there? But but then we wouldn't have had Usagi, so That's true. it wouldn't have been the same. And then we wouldn't have had our cute group picture, so it wouldn't have been the same. Oh, and Usagi Lake saved your life. You accidentally left <gasps> your Shinobu Oshino figure Not under that the table. I, uh, have. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're all friends here. We're all anime Look, fans I've, here. Spiral Fish Cake convinced me to buy. <laughs> 
I'm just kidding. We found this mm-hmm. one booth with all these Shinobu Oshino figures, and one of them was cheap, and it had her standing on multiple donuts, and they were pink too, just like the smug donuts. Your your symbol, your, yeah, your design. Yeah, in the podcast art. And so I was so happy to see that, like, yeah, represent the donuts. Not that Smug Donuts has anything to do with Shinobu Oshino at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it totally does. <laughs> it was your inspiration. It's not like anime characters are smug and like donuts. Anyway, speaking of the figures and everything, we also went to Artist Alley, which was huge. Like the expo floor at C2E2 was really awesome. And they really had the nerve. Some of them were like, oh, well, I would have brought more, but this isn't an anime convention. And I'm okay. like, there's so much anime They at this literally convention. had a section dedicated to the weebs. Like it was called Pop Asia mm-hmm. and it's called Comic-Con. And I like did not see that many comics they were there they obviously existed but i feel like the weeb stuff way outweighed any of like the dc stuff or marvel stuff we didn't hang around those areas Yeah, maybe we just didn't pay attention but when i would walk by there the main show floor was mostly that and then artist alley was like two-thirds pop culture and then one-third anime there's like a lot of anime representation i think that what it is is that comics have become so mainstream that the two-thirds that were mainstream just look look like anything else that you would walk through like it has like some cartoon representation some comic if you see a thor figure or like a drawing of iron man or something you're not going to immediately think oh this is a nerd thing at a nerd convention you're just going to think oh this is somebody trying to sell to like the popular so maybe i just didn't pay enough attention yeah but you're right there's so much anime there's so much and i don't get why they were like oh i i had to bring my smaller booth i will say the cosplay contest that we saw compared to the indie one none of it was anime all of it was mainstream stuff which was fine it was really cool still but none of it was anime and they didn't have the different categories like they did at the, yeah and it was pretty sad because there were so many people dressed up as anime characters that were there so were. good it, that was so cool walking the expo floor and seeing so many anime cosplayers like you said they were so good i had literally just said that day you know i see so many posters of vash the stampede around and i don't really know why maybe it's because he's cool to draw but it's an older anime but i don't see anyone cosplaying him that would be so cool and literally like two hours later we saw a wolfwood cosplayer and a vash the stampede cosplayer and they looked so cool i'm really shy and i don't really want to go up to people so i was too nervous to go ask them for their photo but i totally would have because they looked awesome there's also a lot of good chainsaw man cosplayers that was really cool like makima and power that was cool seeing all the chainsaw man people especially since the anime isn't even out yet yeah it's bizarre you and i of course have read and loved the chainsaw man manga but i had no idea that it had such a following that there would be cosplayers of all of the major characters literally all of them have had cosplayers that we saw multiple cosplayers for some of them and artist alley was just full of art of chainsaw man i just don't understand how is it that popular already at these comic cons how popular is it gonna be when the anime comes out i know it's gonna explode it'll be crazy one of the days i actually cosplayed as umaru from mm-hmm. umaru chan that was pretty cool yeah you even had your own cheeps 
and cola. I did. I carried that around <laughs> the whole day. A lady even asked me for my picture. So I'm just on some lady's phone somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> this is a picture of me. That is not like common for you. No, <laughs> to, to I get, get pictures so, taken of you. This is the first time ever cosplaying, and I wasn't sure how recognizable of a character she was, or like how many people would know. And I got a couple compliments on it. Mostly, I got compliments on my Kamina glasses, like, mm-hmm. but I don't think they knew they were Kamina. Yeah, people just really like those glasses, yeah, which like, they are cool. really Where'd cool. They were really cool, but it was hard to see because it oh. made everything red. <laughs> and the lady who came up to ask about your cosplay was like, are you Himoto? And we did not know I was what like, that what? Meant. So was we like, felt like such Umaru? fake fans. Yeah, um, it's but because the, the show is called Himoto Umaru-chan, and you were like, Umaru-chan? And she didn't really react to that. <laughs> but she had a Umaru-chan keychain. She did. So she was obviously a fan yeah i of felt the show. so bad because i was like oh i think you're saying the japanese name of the show and i'm saying the english name of the show yeah but himoto way, is umaru. like just a girl who is basically like umaru that comes home and just takes all of her makeup off and turns into kind of a gremlin i guess yeah so that was pretty fun if we go to another anime convention i think i'll crossplay again i don't know as who but i actually enjoyed it i was kind of nervous because i just never done it before but it ended up being really fun yeah it was really fun I was so comfortable. Yeah, I don't know the cosplays to pick. Yeah, I wore her bear hood all day. It was pretty awesome. Made you wish that we brought the Attack on Titan hood as well to go to the panel with? Well, I did have it. I didn't wear it because it has this big stain on it. Uh-huh. And I have no idea where it came from. And it's really noticeable. So I'm very sad. I don't know what I did to it. And I washed it before we went. And so it just won't come out. Darn. I was very sad. So a lot of first experiences during this convention. We got to see multiple people on panels, which was first for us. And then I cosplayed for the first time and stayed in Chicago. Yeah, it's funny because we stayed at a hotel that was connected to the convention center. We never really left that building almost the entire time we were in Chicago. So somebody was asking me how the weather was. And we were like, oh, we don't know. We didn't go outside for days. (laughs) just stayed inside. We didn't really want to go around Chicago all that much. Well, we've both been to Chicago before. I've stayed a couple days in Chicago before. That's not what we were there for. We were there for... C2E2. Overall, I would say it was a really fun time. Usually after being there for a couple days, I'm ready to go. But this time we just kind of wandered around like, is it over? Do we have to go home? I wasn't ready. I wanted to stay longer. Yeah, it makes me excited for the supposed giant anime conventions that people were talking about that apparently exist that are bigger than this. Apparently there are like huge ones out there that we don't know about. That makes me excited to go to a, like an anime specific convention because this one wasn't even an anime specific convention and it was big and amazing. Next, we're going to be talking about some anime we've been watching recently. So there will be spoilers in this section. So if there's anything that you want to make sure you don't get spoiled by, just look in the show notes and then you can skip to the parts that you do want to listen to. But first, before we talk about anime we've been watching, I know you wanted to talk about a manga you've been reading. So this will include spoilers for this manga as well, this part. I've been reading Call of the Night and it has just been really, really good. We went on a plane trip recently and I just read 50 chapters on the plane. And then I had the day off right after we got back. And so I read the other 50. 
50 chapters that day. And now I'm, I've caught up and I've even read the Japanese. You have? You read the Scanlations? No, not just the Scanlations, even the Japanese raw that I don't understand. the japanese oh you did okay you did tell me this you were like (laughs) i just tried to analyze from what was happening in the picture (laughs) you got it bad i got got it it bad bad. i don't know look i really love shinobu you know that we smug vampire girl i kind of have a type okay well tell the people what call of the night's about so call of the night is about this guy who is not satisfied with his daily life at school so he basically drops out of school and just walks around at nighttime and that's why the japanese name is song of the night walkers is because there's these people who walk around at night and he likes the freedom that the night gives him and as he's walking around he meets this girl who tells him more about what kind of life that he could be living if he spent more time outside at night and this girl's like the main love interest of the series she eventually tells him that she's a vampire which is kind of weird to tell somebody you just met i mean she doesn't really tell him it's more like she coerces him to come sleep in her bed and then while she's sleeping she sucks blood yeah you know like the normal things a vampire would do this sounds creepy it is a little creepy i'll give you that i'm not really all about that but that's not the point yeah i do not like the creepiness of it but i do like the girl so So I'm going to try to get over it. Her name's Nazuna. And she tells him that she's a vampire. And he decides that since vampires can be out at night a lot and don't have to be out during the day, they're not supposed to be. He wants to become a vampire because that would give him freedom in the night. Makes sense. Not the best logic in the world, but I, I could see that he would be interested. And then she says that in order to become a vampire, you have to fall in love with a vampire and have them suck your blood. And that's basically how they reproduce. So that's the general idea of the manga. And it really, it's a story about how this kid who can't really fall in love tries to fall in love. And, and then this vampire who... I think over time might fall in love with him, does not want to be in love very much desperately. There's a couple times I looked over like on the plane to see what you were reading. Just, you know, you you told me you'd been reading it and I kind of knew what it was about because they're making it into an anime and you should be the trailer. I would just randomly look over and some crazy stuff would be going on and then like 30 minutes would pass and I'd just look over and then something else crazy was going on. I'm like, what is happening in this bongo? <laughs> like, what is going on here? Yeah, you would look over and there would there'd be this character who's met the dude for like one second and then in the next panel he's throwing her out the window <laughs> it's like what, what is, is happening and falling from like a skyscraper yeah it's that kind of thing there's a bit of action in it here and there but mostly it's a rom-com I'd, I'd say i've really fallen in love with it it just tells the story in a very thoughtful way from his perspective they, they very carefully think about each other and about their problems their dilemmas and they get to know each other over time and i think it's special to me because they just don't really have that much conflict between them it's more about them getting to know each other and like the drama of them finding themselves not necessarily the drama of hey we have this like crazy complicated love relationship a lot of times rom-coms or dramas are about the crazy situation of oh i i'm in love with you but i'm a mafia person 
person or something crazy like that. And this one was more like trying to discover what kind of person they are and not even what kind of person the other person is. It's a very introspective manga. So if you like those kind of things, I think that you like this. Check out the anime when it comes out. It looks like it's going to be very good. It does. And the OP slaps. It really does. Yeah, Call of the Night by Creepy Nuts. Okay, well, let's get into this list of anime we've been watching recently. So first of all, we watched Kill Me Can't Communicate, episodes 5 through 10, and it's been good. There's been the water park episode where the crazy girl decided to, like, take the concrete piece that Comey tripped over for some Yeah, she reason. injured herself, and then they all took care of her. Yeah, that was really sweet. Were careful to make sure she still had a good time. But the weird girl struck again <laughs> with taking, I don't know what she wanted it for, but weird. And then, of course, there was a sports festival episode. Yeah, a lot of classic rom-com anime episodes going on. I'm loving that girl that secretly competes with Comey, but Comey <laughs> has no idea that she's competing Yeah, she's your her. favorite, isn't she? I love her. I, I don't know if I'd say she's my favorite, she's but she's She's secretly hysterical. the main character. <laughs> she's hysterical. She'll just be like, Comey ran this fast. I'm going to run faster. Comey beat me again. It seems like her and Tadano are getting closer, which is really sweet. She, her and Tadano went out together mm-hmm. by themselves, which is pretty nice. And they're basically in love. They are in love. They had a festival episode. Yes, that oh festival episode was so cute. And it was so close to being just the two of them until Najime brought all of the friends. Najime brought like a hundred They all friends. just sort of invited themselves, I think. Yeah, and then they like left and then it was just the two of them. Yeah, it was great. So that was very cute. And it's been nice seeing her growth. Like she spoke out loud to him, which was pretty awesome. And mm-hmm. and she's getting more comfortable with everybody. And that's been that's been really awesome to see. And we're past the point where I've read in the manga, so I have no clue what's going to happen at the end. Well, we'll see. We only got two more episodes left. I'm so excited to finish it. Me too. Speaking of anime, we really need to finish at some point eventually. We also watched My Senpai is Annoying, episodes six and seven. Yeah, we've been delaying on that for so long that the dub caught up with where we were at. It's really bad. (laughs) It's really bad. So in the most recent episode, they went out to a office function. And I feel like the main thing that happened was that Senpai said that green is a nice color and her hair is green. And then he was like, well, I wasn't talking about your hair, but your hair is nice. And she got all blushy. That was the most Sundere amazing. I felt like I was watching Toradora all over again. Yeah, she it was, was like, amazing. Shut up! Don't talk about my hair. But then inside, she's like, "Oh my gosh!" She's the one who made nice. it about her hair. And he's just so happy-go-lucky. Mm-hmm. He just seems like his life except, is just so easy. Except we also watched the episode where her grandpa comes and competes with him. That's true. I loved that episode. That was crazy. He got all protective and defensive. Like, who is this random dude? And then she was like, that's my grandpa. And he's like, oh, okay. But and- by the end, he earns his grandpa's strange respect yeah being rivals they're like oddly very similar to each other mm-hmm. that was hilarious to watch because they were like fishing and then they were competing with fishing like they were just competing with all this random stuff competing by picking up litter yeah like who could pick up the most litter and 
it was just like anything they would turn into a competition like they both happened to be being good samaritans that day like picking up trash or whatever <laughs> and then they just kept finding themselves doing the same kind of tasks at the same place and it's so all it just really because funny. somebody took a picture of her and him together that yeah. she, he was like oh my god is my daughter into this man dating him yeah the grandpa went into like protective overdrive which was really funny that's my favorite episode so far i think yeah was, other than episode one which i've rewatched. it was a great episode several times i feel like they are making progress in their relationship and i want to see more cute moments also the dub of that's pretty good now that we've started watching a little bit of the dub I now, feel like that, now that we've not watched so much <laughs> senpai's dub voice is really great i feel like i prefer the sub voice for igarashi but the dub voice does a really good job too she does takeda's voice is perfect mm -hmm. senpai's voice yes patrick seats i believe is his voice actor and he's a great voice actor he voices a lot of different people off the top of my head kunikita from bungo stray dogs he's just so chill and deep voiced and it just sounds like him he was a perfect casting so another anime we watched together, My Next Life is a Villainess, season two. We finished it. I just don't understand how much these people love this girl. Katarina her harem is so deeply in love with her. She just continues to have a harem that grows, a harem that falls deeper and deeper in love with her. It's quite crazy, actually. Some evil people kidnapped her and the people just fell in love with her so much that they let her go. Yep, that did happen. I think we t I think we talked about that last episode. I know, but it just I can't get over that. We definitely had met that blue-haired man, Rufus. Rufus. Yes. Rufus has continued to be in it. Yes. And he he's has. still great. He's still great. So the ending in the in the last couple episodes, Keith gets kidnapped. So there's a lot of kidnapping in this season. They really need more bodyguards. Where are Katarina's bodyguards? Where are Keith's bodyguards? Like these people are royalty. You think that they would have people protecting them, but apparently not. And he gets kidnapped and him and Katarina kind of had a falling out or like things were just weird because he admitted his feelings for her. And she just did not understand. Yeah, like she never understood. I really don't get that. Like all these people are in love with her and she literally just, I guess if you grow up and you view all of your friends the same way because they all are deeply in love with you, but you think of it as just friendship, you're like, oh, come on. All friends just sort of sit around and talk about kissing each other, I guess. I don't know. Well, the thing is, her mind has always been, how do I not have this doom? How does this route not lead to doom? How mm -hmm. can I get out of this? And so I don't think she's really been thinking that much about other people and like what she might mean to them. She's just been kind of in her own world. So hopefully she will start understanding. So they do rescue Keith, which is pretty cool. He was kidnapped by these weird dark magic people, which was really scary. Yeah, that kind of creeped me out. And like they were there too and talked to Katarina and Giordo and kind of had time to like bond with Katarina for some reason. Like I don't get why she has to bond with everybody alive. Oh, and Giordo continued you to be romantic with Katarina and protect her and stuff and I was like oh my after that kiss this is changing things Katarina's feeling feelings for the first time it's been crazy it's been wild I know it has been wild been really wild and then we end on a cliffhanger hopefully season three she ends up going to magic school and then we meet even more people who I'm guessing are going to join her harem right oh yeah like, that was so the weird end, there's like three all of a sudden it's like oh here's three more guys who you know are 
going to fall in love with Katarina. You know what? I want Katarina to have the biggest harem in all of anime. I feel like she already kind of does, but I want it to be giant. I want this harem to be like 100 people. I feel like if anyone deserves it, it's Katarina. I want her to start falling in love with people and then they just show up missing the next day. <laughs> like that kind of a thing. Why? Why do you I don't know. go missing? I, no, like in a comedic way. Like, haha, you How? got murdered. <laughs> How, would that be? How would that be funny? Like, oh, she finally falls in love and then they just get murdered? Well, okay. It's just, I'm being realistic as to what would happen. They have to spin it to be funny, but if she ever fell in love with anybody, it's for their own good that Katarina doesn't fall in love with them. Because at this point... I see what you're saying. If they did fall in love with them, their harem would murder I see what them. you're saying. Yeah, they would not be okay. They would get murdered. You're right. The harem would be like, I don't know what happened. Oh, well, guess we can't look for them. Like those people are not emotionally stable. They aren't. They, they would were, not take rejection well. They were about to riot over Giordo. They were about to go crazy. <laughs> that is so funny to me, though. He's How literally all her like, Um, no. And if everybody there, like, he has the most right to fall in love with her mm -hmm. and like kiss her and stuff, because they're literally engaged. But, but they that's were, why like, they're watching him out. so carefully, because they know he's gonna do things. They do. They're onto him now. So I watched an anime. I kind of just randomly decided to watch this for my anime goal last year, my 150. It came out last year and I'd heard good things about it, but I watched Life Lessons with Yuramichi Onisan, mm -hmm. which is basically about this guy, Yuramichi, who works on this children's show. And it's about all of the cast members' lives on this children's show. One of them is in a bunny costume and the other one's in like a bear costume and then some of the other ones are like also playing basically the teacher or brother kind of role or sister kind of mm -hmm. role like Uramichi is and they all do different things he is the athletic one so he can do a bunch of backflips and stuff but he's 31 and it was really funny to see because there was like an episode where the director wants him to keep on doing backflips but his lower back is really in pain because he messed it up and so he like keeps on trying to do the backflips for these kids and for the director and the director's like you know what never mind scratch that I don't want that anymore. And he's just like, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> so it's just really funny. It's such dark humor sometimes. Right. Like kids will be like, Hermichi Onisan, what do you do for fun? And he's like, you know, kids, I go home and I sit alone in the dark and I think about how my life has been a complete waste. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah. Just like stuff like that. And he's like, kids, make sure that when you grow up, you don't fall in love and you don't waste your time going to college because it's all useless. Like random stuff like that. It's just like, super dark, but then I'll say it in a really like, happy way. Mm -hmm. And I watched the, the dub and the dub voice actor is the same voice actor for Hikigaya in my teen romantic comedy snafu. I felt like that was perfect casting. Just both very cynical. But then it was also sweet because because it would show how he really cared about the kids. They right, did this right. for the kids. But yeah, there are some really good episodes. There are these two different episodes. One, they filmed like a, a beach scene. They were supposed to do like a beach music number or whatever, but it was in the middle of winter. So they go to the beach, they're wearing their shorts and they're like freezing to death, right? But the two guys in the costumes are like, this isn't so bad, but everyone else is freezing. And then they do the opposite where they go in the summer and 
and it's so hot outside and the guys in the costumes are like sweating to death and the director's like just pretend it's cold you guys will be just fine and one of the guys in the costume just loses his mind and ends up like flipping out on the director it was really oh, funny no. to watch really yeah it was a very entertaining show it made me laugh a lot it was be like i like that kind of dark humor sometimes i'd be sitting there like should i be laughing at this or should i be concerned for his well-being <laughs> But it was good. I'm so, I'm really glad I watched it. I see why a lot of people were talking about it. It was really funny. Another anime I watched that I had been watching with my friend was Inspector, which I'm pretty excited about. It's also getting a season two this year. So that's pretty cool. So this wasn't one of my favorites that I've watched with my friend, but it was pretty good. It's basically about this guy and this girl and she can see basically specters, creatures and, and things like that. He is a creature. He can keep dying and he comes back to life and they kind of inspect, which is why it's called inspector, like different weird occurrences. So it's just about them going around and doing that. The thing that I had some struggles with is half of the show is about this one case. It's the Lady Nanase case and they just spend a lot of time trying to go over that case and figure out how to get rid of this Lady Nanase specter. I got a little bored of that. The first few episodes were different cases and then it was like so much on this case, which is fine. It was, it was an interesting case. It had to deal with like a pop singer's really mysterious death uh, and then what people thought was her ghost being brought back to life and everything. Even though it wasn't one of my favorites, I'm excited to see that it's getting a season two. I think that that will be cool to see where the story goes. It was one of those anime that like it could have just ended at season one. It's not like there was a huge cliffhanger or something, but I'm excited to see where it continues. So we also watched a classic anime that I've been wanting to watch for a very long time. So we have started this journey, Mobile Suit Gundam. Mm -hmm. The original one from the 70s. So that was pretty cool. I watched this before we watched it together. I think I made it to like episode four. But together, we watched episodes one and two. So what did you think of Mobile Suit Gundam? I thought it was really good. I thought it was really cool to see all the different origins of the Gundam stuff that I'm so familiar with. And like, I got to see some characters like Char. I got to see characters like Char who like, I was really excited to finally see the original. There's this VTuber named Char that I follow that was based on that character. It's just really cool to see the origin of all that kind of stuff. But the anime itself hasn't really picked up all that much yet, but it's crazy to see how much of the opposite he is compared to like Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah, and like, Episode one or two, I think it was one, this man sees a Gundam. He, I think he's like 14. He sees a Gundam, steals the Gundam, and the girl that he's friends with comes over and is flipping out because like everybody in her family is dead. Like they just died from an explosion. She's the only one who lives. And he slaps her and is like, you need to calm down because you need to go and you need to get to safety. So he slaps a girl, steals a Gundam, and talks back to his dad all in right. like a span of three minutes or five minutes or something so yeah shinji could never could never do that 
He would never. He would never. (laughs) (laughs) But it seems like this guy just does whatever he wants. And then he gets in this Gundam and can just pilot it just by reading the manual while he's in it. Hey, he's But then also he's like the best one in the world like that (laughs) they've ever seen. They said that the mobile suit itself is really good. He was saying, hey, listen, this is not me. This mobile suit is just like really awesome. It was cool seeing his battle with Char. I have to say, I have watched, I think, like, 19 episodes of the original Legend of the Galactic Heroes, and I love that anime. But one of my criticisms from watching that and watching the newest one were like, well, the battles aren't, you know, as cool. And I'm like, well, you know, it's an 80s anime. Maybe that's why. But Mobile Suit Gundam was made in the 70s, and the space battles are, I think, really cool. The animation for them, I think, is really good. Mm -hmm. I was surprised... Uh, how good it was back in the 70s so i have been pleasantly surprised by how engaging the fights are how well animated they are how dynamic all the movement is so i'm excited to keep on watching more i feel like gundam is something that i've really been wanting to get into for a long time but i know there's a million different seasons so i don't know about you but i'm excited to keep watching i definitely am speaking of space I also watched Space Dandy season two. Oh, I had no idea you watched that. Really? No. Yeah, it was part of my 150 last year, which I finished, by the way, in case anyone was wondering. I made it to my 150 anime watch in a year. I was very happy, very proud of that goal. So I don't know what else to say besides basically just season one continued. This one felt a lot more episodic, I think, than the first season. Although, I mean, the first season is very episodic too. So pretty much the same. But I noticed that this season they seemed to like to play with different art styles a lot more. Like they would go to different planets and sometimes the art styles would be different. And then they also like talk about the multiverse and multiple timelines, which I thought was interesting. And they they did that when they would do that. They would also play with different art styles of dandy. So I... I thought that was interesting. One of the things that we've talked about, like we've talked about this being kind of a parody of Cowboy Bebop because Mm -hmm. it was made by the same director. And there's an episode that I'm like, okay, this is 100% a Cowboy Bebop parody. Like I know in that long time ago, I mentioned that Outlaw Star also came out at the same time. So maybe it was kind of like joking about that too. That anime is also in space. But like there's an episode where he talks about how he used to be involved in this group and he was in love with this woman and she's on the 2D plane or something like a a 2D object. So she's not even an actual person. It was all very confusing and that's why they can't be together because they're not on the same plane or whatever. And then she was in love with this other guy too and they were all part of this group. So obviously it was, it felt like a vicious Spike Julia situation and I think it was a parody of that whole situation. Overall, I enjoyed it. I mean, Space Dandy always has really good animation. It's always really colorful, which I really like. And then, like I said, they played around with different art styles this season, so that was pretty cool to see. It's not one of my favorite anime, but I have a good time whenever I watch it. It's a good one to watch, especially if you just like action and comedy and cool animation all wrapped up into one. And a goofy guy in space. (laughs) So (laughs) that's what you get when you watch Space Dandy. We also watched season one of Teasing Master Takagi-san, episodes one through seven, and that was a fun time. We tried to watch this once before and we didn't really like catch on to it or we didn't really like feel the vibe of it. This time we did. Yeah, I've been really enjoying it so far. I feel like I've been watching a lot of animes recently where the two main characters are very obviously going to fall in love with each other and 
it's just a pleasant experience to be in that space and be like, oh, they love each other, really. And this is definitely one of those where he thinks that he has this nice friend that he hangs out with. And she is going for that ring. (laughs) He thinks that she's just like some girl who likes to mess with him and bother him. But she does so many things. Like she invites him out over the summer. Yeah, the summer ends and she's like, gee, sure, kind of sad. We're not going to see each other as much. And he's like, yeah, whatever, blah, blah. And she's like, you sure are bad at riding tandem. Like maybe we practice that over the summer. I don't know. And he's like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) And then he's like... Like, wait, I just signed up for a date. Yeah, and then there is that one episode where she tricks him into going bathing suit shopping with her. Oh my god, that was awful. <laughs> the poor guy. That was so funny. He was not ready for that kind of female time. He was not. Female attention. That was weird. He's not ready for that kind of commitment. (laughs) They saw people from school. Oh my gosh. I'm glad that at least his classmates that saw him, the girl and the boy who were dating, at least she had the know how to realize maybe I should leave them alone and come back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He was hiding in the dressing room. Oh my word. (laughs) But they're really cute. I I love how she messes with him and she obviously is super into him and he like has no idea and he he how i don't know how she sends him every signal imaginable and i love how his favorite anime and the manga he likes to get his 100 percent unrequited love yeah that has been really fun because there's just something about that anime that just seems like something that i would watch anyway yeah it's like this really weird romantic comedy not being able to admit that he likes it yeah i also like how whenever she teases him he does push-ups He's going to be the strongest man alive. Yeah, because she always beats him to at physical games or just like random stuff she makes him do. He never wins. They're cute, though. I really like their journey. We only have a couple more episodes left to watch of the first season, and then season two is already out. Then season three is coming out this year, so that's awesome. We're watching a lot of stuff that has more seasons coming out, so Mm -hmm. it'll be exciting to continue all of their journeys, see how they go. Another anime I watched by myself from 2021 was Skate the Infinity. And I had no idea really what I was getting into with this. I obviously knew it was about skateboarding, right? And I knew like a lot of people had talked about it at some point. But this was delightful, to be completely honest. I had a great time. The animation was good. The villain was really good. Adam, he was crazy. He's kind of like a Hisaka kind of dude who's into power and potential but like with skateboarding so he was like oh my god this guy has so much ability to skateboard that's so exciting so he would be like really crazy about all that and very showy and like dramatic and so I very much enjoyed him as a as a villain I very much enjoyed the main two characters it was interesting each of their journeys like Longa comes in he's the main character Reiki's friend and he used to snowboard because he used to live in Canada right so he gets very good, very fast at skateboarding because of all of the skills that he had snowboarding. Like he'd been snowboarding since he was really little. Like he was like an expert at it. So he ends up passing Reiki in potential pretty quickly. And so that's frustrating for him. And they kind of have, you know, some issues because of that. But then Reiki like makes skateboards and he's really thoughtful about how he makes them. And he does a really good job with that. And so he's kind of like trying to figure out 
what his place is in skating. Does he just continue to skate even though like his friend is better than him and like other people are better than him because he loves it? Like what does he do with it? So that was really interesting to watch. So I had a great time. The animation was really good. It didn't have to be that good for a skateboarding anime, <laughs> but it was. Is by Studio Bones and they killed it. I think, I don't know for sure, but I think there will be more another season coming up and I would love to see more. I feel like I haven't seen very many sports anime that were like this and so I would like to see more. I don't know any other anime that's about skateboarding specifically. It was very unique and I had a great time. So you watched by yourself Kuma Kuma Bear? Kuma 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 Bear. How was that? You know, I've been watching a lot of these anime where there's a girl and she gets isekai'd or like goes to a video game and she just becomes super overpowered. And I wish I could say this was way different than those. But I gotta say it's literally the same story every time. Every time. I just enjoy it. It's great. I watch another episode. She's still overpowered. She's still like, I don't know, maybe she's taking care of some children. Literally, the other anime I'm watching is like, I killed so many slime that I reached max level or something. I forget the name of the anime. In both of these anime, they just reach max level and are crazy powerful. And somehow they end up taking care of a children as like a family, almost. And both of them are in episode seven and they both have that same thing going on in episode seven. And I'm like, what is happening? How come these animes all have the exact same plot? It happens in I Maxed Out My Defense, too. They sort of end up being a family. The clan does. And I'm like, who wrote the first one? I just really like that this one person wrote an anime or wrote a manga about girl becomes really powerful and then forms a family, defeats a bunch of monsters super easily. And then every other anime out there just followed that exact same plot to the letter. Maybe it's all the same person just writing different things under different names i don't know but this one i find particularly funny because she has to wear this bear costume and she's not like into bears she just sort of makes puns about bears and so she's just walking around like gee i don't really like bears or anything but here i am riding two bears saying bear puns wearing bear gloves in a bear onesie it's just her life now she has become bear and everywhere she goes they're all like is that a bear riding a bear <laughs> and she's like yeah this is me i'm the bear girl <laughs> this is who i am now this and, is my identity but her power she's level one her power comes from the bear onesie so like she can't take it off and then she like can spawn a house out of nowhere but it, it's such a powerful ability she can spawn a door that takes her wherever she's been and she's just like okay kid listen you can't tell anybody that i have this power because it would just be too inconvenient for me and i'm lazy they're like can we travel with them and it's like yeah we can travel with them but then we can't use the bear house because i don't want anybody else to find out and i'm lazy and i want to use the bear house so we oh can't travel with them she's threatening people yeah but she just doesn't want anybody to find out that she has abilities because then they take advantage of her i don't blame her it's been a good time so far she's been introducing them to the culinary delights of of earth and they all really love it so it's a good vibe it's not a particularly like well made anime but it's fun and funny also i like her design they've got this nice greenish blue hair thing going on 
So the last thing that I watched in 2021 was Millennium Actress, which is a movie. It's by the same person who did Perfect Blue and Paprika and all of that. So mm-hmm. it was very cool, very interesting. Not really 100% sure of all the story exactly. But basically it's about this woman and these two guys go to interview her. She's older. She's not acting anymore. And she she talks about her life and it's really cool because when she's talking about her life with these guys, they're like in the scenes of the movies she was filming at the time. So, for example, she was filming like a samurai kind of movie, you know, like a feudal Japan era type movie. And so they are in that era with her, seeing her perspective of the movie. And it was just really cool, like seeing all of these different scenes from all these different movies that she's been in and seeing the interviewers actually there. And we come to find out that one of the guys that's interviewing her was actually part of a lot of the movies that she was in as like the crew. So basically, the main point of this story is that she meets this man when she's younger. He is on the opposite side politically of what a lot of the people there are. And so he's kind of a fugitive in a way. And so she she hides him in her family's stock room to help him. And they have this brief interaction and he's a painter and he tells her he'll meet her somewhere one day. And she finds out later when her house burns down in the future that he like painted a portrait of her. And so she falls deeply in love with this man right and then she spends her entire life trying to figure out who he was still clinging on to hope that they'll meet one day in this field where he paints even like goes to film movies in this place because of this man and he gave her this key and he said like it opens up the most important thing in the universe or something along those lines and we never find out what it opens up I don't think and then we find out that the man that she's been looking for this whole time is dead and I don't think she ever finds that out but we the audience find it out and she just clings on to just looking for him and looking for him and so it's kind of depressing honestly it ends and she dies so just kind of depressing vibe overall yeah that sounds kind of sad it was sad but it was also so artistic that I was kind of okay but I was just sitting there at the end like why did I watch this as the last anime of my 150 like I mean I'm glad I reached my goal but this was sad I'm still glad I watched it though. It was kind of a cool way to end off the year with a movie and everything. So I had a good time. So now we'll get on to more stuff we've been watching this year currently. And one of our things that I wanted to watch when I finished my goal, because I have been putting off watching long anime because I've always had goals of watching like 100 anime in one year or like 150 anime in a year. So that never allowed me to watch really long anime. So I've been wanting to watch One Piece for a really long time. One Piece! And we started One Piece We've watched episodes 1 through 24. Yeah, we are on a cruise. (laughs) I don't care what anyone says. That opening in English, in Japanese, whatever, is perfect and amazing. And I love it. And I will always sing along like we are. It does sound great in Japanese and all. But listen, it sounds very similar in English. It is the same. Except that people who like the English version probably like it for the same reason you do. Except us. We we sing along to it and it's great. Mm -hmm. Not going to lie. I even like the four kids rap opening for One Piece season one. I think it's great. I don't care what anyone says. I love the four kids rap unabashedly. Yes. 
They're, it's, it's all amazing. great. It's all great. But One Piece itself, besides just the OP. <laughs> so, so far, we have met Luffy and Zoro and Nami and Usopp. And we, the most recent one we met was Sanji. And they are all delightful. They are all delightful. I thought Usopp's story was really cool, like about how he lied and then people didn't trust him and he learned like this really valuable lesson and he fought for the girl that he cared about so much and for all of his Usopp pirate friends. I thought that was really cool. I love that whole storyline. And then the butler guy with the like fingernails was yeah. a really cool was a really cool villain. I loved him. Although his crew was kind of stupid. They were <laughs> stupid. They were really dumb. But I thought him as a villain was like really crazy. In Sanji's part, they really hyped up this one pirate that was like super scary just to show that the best swordsman of the world, Mihawk, was that much cooler. <laughs> they were like, this guy's the most bad guy in the whole world. Boom, the sword guy, though, <laughs> he destroys him. <laughs> I know. He literally walked by people's boats. And like just destroyed, destroyed them, them one by one. And we know how amazing of a swordsman Zoro is, right? And this man with the tiniest knife, like you've ever seen in your life, the tiniest knife, defeats Zoro with his three swords. And we get Zoro's background story, which mm -hmm. is very touching about his friend dying and about him trying to be the greatest swordsman because he promised her that he would. And that's all honestly is like so sweet. I didn't think it would be that emotional of a background story i wish his friend didn't die though i know i, I wish was his friend so hyped either i thought that he would find her at some point and that would be like a big thing i was like how dare you kill monica real's character i know <laughs> but i'm sure we'll see her again though it was so not sad al not alive in present day but in flashbacks yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's so sad <laughs> But I have been loving One Piece so far. The characters are amazing. The villains are great. Like the character designs are insane. I do not know who is designing these characters, but they're wild and colorful. I honestly love them. Nami is a sneaky girl and I love her. She is just like, well, I'm going to go take your money and leave now. Then <laughs> I take the boat now. Yeah, she was like, if we're really fated to be together, you'll find me. Yeah, bye. Bye, I'm taking your boat. <laughs> yeah, like when everything's going wrong at Sanji's restaurant ship, she's just like, because mm, it's my time to leave. She's a woman of opportunity. She is. She's a sneaky lady, but I love it. She never said that she wasn't anything, was anything else. I'm here for my interests and my interests alone. So obviously a thousand episodes is a lot and we're only on 24, but if it keeps continuing the way it is, and I've heard what we're watching now is some of the worst parts. So if it's just going to get better from here, then I can't wait because I already think it's really good. Who's your favorite so far? My favorite has and always will be Zoro, I think. Zoro is really cool. I've always been a fan of two sword swordsmen, and he uses three swords, <laughs> which makes him even cooler. You're right. You're right. It's so funny to me that he fights all the time with three swords, and then you take away one sword, and he's like, I can't Ugh. do this. <laughs> I don't fight with two sword style. <laughs> One of the swords is in your mouth, dude. You basically fight two sword style all the time. No, man. 
But he needs that third sword. It's very important. It is very important. You oh, and understand. never, never make him fight one sword style. It's not like he knows how to swing it without the sword in his mouth and his left hand. It, like it throws his balance all off. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It does. It's been kind of crazy to see him being beaten by these people when I know that he's become so much stronger, especially Luffy. Luffy's kind of pathetic right now, but like in the future, I know he's become so strong. No spoilers. I mean, I'm guessing he's going to become stronger because it's a shonen anime. And if he doesn't become stronger in the next 977 episodes. Yeah, it's like watching Dragon Ball Goku. Yeah. I really like Sanji so far. He's like honestly kind of awesome and he doesn't take other people's crap and I like that. But he's also very nice. He fed that one pirate guy and he was so hungry. Mm-hmm. He takes his job as cooking very seriously. Another anime that I've been wanting to watch for a long time. Mm-hmm bleach i actually a couple years ago i feel like three years ago now it's been a while now i tried watching bleach when i was like super sick right and so i would literally just be on my parents couch in and out of consciousness watching bleach and i ended up watching i think 63 episodes of bleach because i just was so sick and i just lay there and that's all i did for a couple days but i I don't remember it very well so i decided i want to rewatch it again and i want to watch the entire series and so far i've watched episodes 1 through 18 and a lot of it is kind of coming back and i'm like okay so i know they're gonna do this next or like this happens next but there's so many things that i like really forgot about that you should really remember that are important to the story like i forgot he had sisters and that's a pretty big deal that's a main thing about him is that he has sisters mm-hmm. i kind of forgot that orihime had these fairy creatures that she could see i just like right. didn't really think about it. so you know a lot of very important details <laughs> oh to remember so i would be watching and i'm like oh yeah that guy oh yeah that thing happened i remember it now like i forgot the entire plot line about orihime's brother being a hollow and like all these different things so obviously glad that i'm rewatching it and that i didn't just skip those first 63 episodes and go on to something else but he's training right now and i really like training arcs i think that they're very fun He's training with Uehara, who I really like. And Mm -hmm. we also got introduced to a lot of characters like Chad, who I think is like my favorite, honestly. And Renji, who I also really like. I forgot that he was kind of evil when he first gets introduced. Renji, I didn't, I don't remember you like this, but... I will say the first time I watched it, had some complaints about it. Like, I didn't love Ichigo as a main character. I just felt like he got too strong right off the bat, and that kind of annoyed me. And it's the same thing as I'm watching this a second time. I'm still having a good time, and I think it's a good anime. And I'm excited because I know there are parts coming up I remember being really good. But those issues are still there. So I'm interested to see if I'll keep kind of feeling the same way I did the first time I watched it as I keep going. You just got to get to later on and it gets better. It does get really good later on. And I'm excited to see all the other parts that I haven't seen yet. I've heard a lot of good things about some of the different arcs. So we will see. I also watched episodes one and two of Beelzebub. This was another one that was longer and I'd been wanting to watch it for a while and I just couldn't get to it. And it's very different from what I imagined. It's about this delinquent guy who ends up having to be the dad of the demon king. So he's basically like raising this child to kill all of humanity. 
And the baby's always naked, and it kind of drives me crazy. I'm like, somebody yeah, needs to get that. this child that clothes. That seemed a little weird. It is a little weird. I wish the child had clothes, but it's still good. It's really funny. I think it's hilarious because the demon king is a baby, obviously. Like, he's the future demon king, and he chose this guy to be his dad because this guy is a delinquent, and he's so evil looking. So, he looked at him, and he's like, oh, I feel comfortable with you. You remind me of my dad, like my biological dad, because he He's just so evil looking and he had like punched a bunch of guys before finding the baby and everything. It was just funny. So now he's stuck with this baby and when he's too far away from the baby, he has these tantrums and the tantrums can kill people. Oh my word. So... Yeah, it's been entertaining. And there's this woman who's the baby's handler. She's in charge of him. So it's just kind of funny because it's like mom and dad raising this baby kind of. Mm-hmm. She just like shows up and starts living at his house and his parents love her. And he's just like, what is going on here? You can't just act like we're married and have this baby. She explained everything to them and they're like, all right, cool, legit. <laughs> it's just really funny. So I haven't watched that one for a while. I need to get back into that because it was entertaining and I did enjoy it. So these last couple ones are our seasonals that have been airing. Yeah. So we watched Akabi's Sailor Uniform, episode one. Yeah, I saw this one in the trailers, and this is probably the one I was most excited to watch after seeing trailers for it. The animation just seemed really pretty. I was surprised it wasn't by KyoAni, how beautiful the animation was. It almost felt like watching Violet Evergarden. It's not quite to Violet Evergarden standards, but man, it is really beautiful. The art director for this anime is going absolutely crazy. I could see the individual wood grains on like the trim of the door the desks were different shades of color you could see individual rice things in the rice patties yeah they're doing too much it was insane how detailed the backgrounds of inane scenes were you could see literally every single bolt of fabric in the fabric store and they were all labeled and i don't know why they went so hard on this one episode of anime it was just kind of incredible and all of the animations were really solid it was like watching k again how like every little thing that they did had so much you could just feel the love that they put in every frame of oh here's a shot like the movement of the girl putting her sister's hair into a ponytail you could tell how much love they put into that or her doing a flip or and literally it's just about a girl who lives in the country and has never been around girls her age and just wants to wear a sailor uniform to school. Like, yeah, that's the I whole thing. I had watched the first 12 minutes of it where she here's the plot. She puts on a sailor uniform and that's the plot and I was almost <laughs> crying. <laughs> well, okay, there's more to it. Her, her mom <laughs> Her mom sews the sailor uniform for her. She got accepted into this really tough school, but because she's not going to a school in the boonies where she's the only student, that means she gets to wear a sailor uniform. So they go to the fabric store. Her mom seems to be a seamstress and her mom makes the sailor uniform for her by hand. And you see all these super funny, relatable scenes. It's really impressive how little they tell in the story. It's all show, show, show. It's like 
watching an anime movie in that way where they never are like oh ha ha my daughter is doing all these chores that i would normally do because she wants me to work on the sailor uniform yeah, that faster was and get it done it's like there's all this stuff that's show not tell and i was really impressed by that for a show about a middle schooler it really expects you to watch and deeply understand what's going on there is a doodle in the background of one of the scenes of a shark and then earlier in the episode you see her snuggle with a shark that is the same shark as in the doodle yeah it's a and, snor- it's like a shark but plush. you see it in the opposite order like the shark plus first then the doodle so you're supposed to infer from seeing the doodle that the shark plush was made by their parents after seeing the doodle mm-hmm. and it's like oh my word either that or that she doodled the popular character which i guess that is possible but with her mom being a seamstress you put the pieces together i was really impressed by the anime i felt like they did an excellent job i will say though any anime that i like a lot there's always a caveat i really don't get some of the stuff that they're doing they focus on feet a lot and it's weird it's enough that it's weird just be aware that there's weird feet stuff yeah but you know what ignore all of that and focus on the beautiful scenery and how and touching it is trying to get a sailor and uniform. His, her little sister who's so cute her little sister is cute. and has a cute voice her she voice actor the dub is good so that's good too i listened to both the sub this morning and the dub uh, in the afternoon with viral and they're both very good so no matter which one you like they're both going to be great another seasonal we watched which this one has a long title Just bear with me <laughs> but it's hilarious if you need to watch this life with an ordinary guy who reincarnated into a total fantasy knockout we watched episodes one through three so this one is about these two 32 year olds who've been best friends since they were super young and then they get isekai but they get isekai where one of them is still a dude and the other one gets transformed into a girl but now they for some reason are attracted to each other and they're trying yeah. their best not to fall in love that sounds really weird but like it's, it's really funny it's like love is war where they both love each other but they don't want the other person to know <laughs> so it's like oh my god do i find that hot ew no i don't well he had made a wish when he was super drunk the one of the guys he's like i wish i was a girl and then everyone would love me because he's jealous that his best friend gets all the attention from girls and he wants a a bunch of attention from girls and he wants people to care about him and pay attention to he's him he's jealous of girls because he feels like girls get everything they want exactly and it's so easy for them so this goddess of love appears out of nowhere and grants that wish and then the other guy was thinking i wish i could just get you home because you're drunk and so he is able to access in this isekai world the guy's apartment <laughs> and that's really funny it's actually very convenient for them and there's a lot of like slapstick comedy with it they were coming out because it's just like a door, almost like a portal. They walk in through the door and it transports mm-hmm. them. And so they walk out of the door and then they see that there's people mad at them in the village and they just close go, the door, close the door and in. go back inside. Yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. And so anyway, they kind of insult the goddess of love a couple times who granted them this wish. And so she puts a curse on them and they think that the curse might be that they're like falling in love with each other and they have to defeat the demon king, which I feel like that always happens in isekai anime. Like they have sure. to defeat a, a demon king for some reason. 
I was going to watch this anime anyway because I've always been into gender bent anime. I've been with it since Rama one half and we have not had a proper gender bent anime since 2016's Kimi no Nawa. It's like that set the bar so high that everyone else was like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not touching it. But then this one came along and I'm like, all right, I'll watch it. But this one ended up being more romance anime, almost like a rom-com. That's all right. Like I'm, I'm okay with that. It's just been so funny i've described it as a mix between konosuba and love is war because they get in sort of hijinks and the main girl is kind of like aqua in a way except aqua's way smarter somehow (laughs) i don't know if tachibana is real dumb i don't know if i'd say she's dumb she just lets herself get into situations she literally has a ability like a skill that forces her to get into bad situations so it's not really her fault and also makes everyone fall in love with her yeah unparalleled beauty makes so that everybody just loves her infinitely apparently it was so funny the opposite gender there's an episode where there are literal thieves coming into the town to like pillage it and cause havoc and she walks in and they look at her and each one is like i'd stop thieving if it was for you we could live together on a farm and have two kids and then another one's like i'd stop thieving if it was for you we could live together and i'd make pottery and we'd have eight kids and she's like how many kids are these people wanting me to have with them like what the heck is going on here it was really funny and then she's like man it sure is nice that even though everybody's affected by this you don't seem to be affected by it best friend and the best friend accidentally looks down her shirt or something and is like oh my god i'm so deeply in love i want to marry you at this it's like what is happening which i think it was questionable how he felt before his best friend got turned into a yeah that's the thing that i feel like is not being addressed is that before his best friend turned into a girl he was not into women any woman that would cross his path he did not trust he was like do not trust women they will backstab you basically because they are bad people in general i don't know why he believes this it is not true by the way but with his best friend he's like he's such a nice guy he stayed after class one day and, and like, he's very protective said something of him. nice but he like thinks of every memory super fondly with his best friend yeah. to the point where it's more like he was dating his best friend basically yeah it's questionable it was very questionable the way he talks about tachibana yeah was he in love with him before maybe is he in love with him now that he's a girl i think he loved him yeah he definitely loved him i think that i could imagine if you were friends with someone for over 25 years you would talk about them fondly of course especially if you now were in love with them and attracted to them (laughs) you would think of them yes especially fondly fondly. well he said that though before they were even isekai'd he was just like oh yes my friend i'm protective of him and i love him is basically what it was Mm -hmm. but anyway yes this show is hilarious i was laughing every episode you should definitely watch it if you have not already it's It's definitely underrated this season yeah it's not really that interesting of a gender bend anime but it's very interesting from a perspective of the things i say about my homies are suddenly very different now that my homie's a girl (laughs) (laughs) that kind of a thing just very goofy another seasonal we just watched today actually my dress up darling episode one man cloverworks is just nailing it they did akabe sailor uniform and they did my dress up darling both gorgeous animes right right 
I like this one. I feel like I've heard people talking about my dress up darling. If you're not talking about AOT or Demon Slayer this season, which most people are, you're talking about my dress up darlings from what I've seen. Yeah, it seems like that's the one where right now the shonen people are discovering their romance obsession. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It's about this guy. He like is lonely and doesn't have friends and he makes dolls and he feels like he can't relate to anybody. Oh, that is so sad, it by the way. It is sad. Because he has the legitimate feelings like oh nobody's gonna like me because it's true it's like if he talked to a bunch of people all the time he probably wouldn't have the skills to be likable but then the way he solves that is just by being a loner and not talking to anybody at all well he just feels like his hobby is too weird he yeah he feels like an outsider when he he was a kid a single girl was like you're a boy that plays with dolls what a (laughs) lame-o then he was like then she ran away and never talked to him again then, then he's just like I'm going to be a loner forever. I bet that girl will come back into his life. It is really sad. I've been saying that he sounds like Hikigaya in terms Mm -hmm. of like how he internalized monologues every second of the day and goes, Yeah. Man, there's two kinds of people. There's the me kind of people who never have friends and the Marin kind of people that everybody loves and isn't into lame stuff like I am. And then Marin comes along and is like, Yo, what's up? I'm into lame stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah she's into cosplay and anime and I have friends <laughs> yeah and everyone loves me but she's she's not like that like she's really cool about hey if you like this no one should make fun of it mm-hmm. and i like that about her i think that that's really cool and i liked the scene where she goes in to the sewing room and gojo the main character is already in there and he's so nervous about someone catching him sewing and then she's like let me show you this thing i sewed and she's like what do you think i'm trying to cosplay and i'm super embarrassed i don't know anyone who sews and he's just like why did you do it this way why didn't you do it that way this is trash your sewing is trash and she's like oh my god and then he felt bad immediately but it was cool because he's usually such a like pushover kind of dude as we've seen earlier in the anime when people are kind of taking advantage of him they're getting out of cleaning the classroom because they know he'll do it but then he comes to life when it's about his passion he's really assertive and just like really passionate about it and it was awesome we only watched episode one but I'm very excited to see how they work together because I feel like this relationship could be really fun and they could learn a lot from each other. And it's just so interesting to see how different his internal monologue is from reality. Like he's so worried about all these different things, but really it isn't, it ain't that deep, bro. Yeah, but to be fair to him, he was like talking to the dolls (laughs) and... That like, was weird, but it was at the weird. same time, when you don't have any friends and the only person that really talks to you is your grandpa. I'm just saying, I think this guy has done a genuine evaluation of himself and his interests and how he is as a person. And he wants friends. He just doesn't really know how to have conversations with people. And he's like, listen, if I try to talk to people, they're going to find out I make dolls and they're going to think I'm weird. And I feel like he's not wrong. I feel like they would think he's weird. Because he's weird. He is weird. But, but he wouldn't fine. be weird if he talked to more people. Yeah, he just needs practice. He needs but to be it's like, socialized. what do you talk about? Could you yeah. imagine? He does. He literally does not have interests that he could talk about. Yeah, he doesn't. Period. So that's the thing. That's why he struggles. But he could find interest in other people. That's true. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, sewing isn't that weird. I mean, I know a lot of guys don't necessarily typically sew. Well, but... once he starts sewing cosplays, then he can talk about anime or something. That's true. Mm-hmm. He'll figure it out. Or he can talk about girls that he 
Eli, like Maureen. And let me just say the dub voice actors from My Dress Up Darling were amazing. And they're all basically newer voice actors. Yeah, I was They did a great job. The main guy, he's a newer voice actor. I think it's his debut role, but he did a great job. And for the English voice actress for Marin, this is not her debut role, but she hasn't been in everything like some of the voice actors. And this is one of her first few starring roles. I don't remember which one she starred in before, but she did a great job. Like, I don't recognize her from anything. And yet she did an amazing job. So I'm very much looking forward to further work from them. Yeah, they did a really good job. So before we get to our final seasonal, there are two other anime I did want to talk about. Speaking of dubs, we watched the Nagatoro dub <laughs> episodes one through three because you I thought mean, we were done. We can't get enough of Nagatoro. I, I can't get enough, house. really. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, so the English dub, and I, I don't know if we're go- we're going to end up talking about the whole season. This might be the only time we talk about Nagatoro English dub. Yeah. But I just wanted to mention it that the English dub is pretty good. I thought that the dub voice actor for senpai was really funny he's very much how i imagined the dub actor for senpai would end up being it's funny to hear all these lines in english now i swear it makes it hit different in english it really does reading it it doesn't feel as like oh my gosh they said that like it doesn't feel as awkward it's kind of embarrassing i I know i'm like oh my gosh i didn't remember this being so embarrassing to watch i know i'm like oh my gosh and the way that she bullies nagatoro's voice actor is like actually really scary yeah she's way scarier in this she's mean nagatoro's voice actor i felt like is doing a good job i will say i do prefer the sub voice acting but i feel like to me there's a little bit of an element missing where the nagatoro voice actor is like leaning a little bit more toward teasing in terms of how uzuki chan would tease yeah, like more annoying. More annoying, which isn't a bad thing. It's just I picture Nagatoro as being much more of a tease. She's more flirty. Yeah, she's a very flirty. And there, there just doesn't seem to be as much flirtation in this. But I will say that we also went through all the other voices for episode one to see which one did the best. And I really feel like the French Nagatoro nails it. The French Nagatoro is... <laughs> If any of y'all out there speak French... Y'all lucky. (laughs) Yes, because she's doing a great job. She's fantastic. I Mm -hmm. loved her. She's killing it. But I felt like everyone else in the Nagatoro dub was perfectly cast. Yeah, they were great. But I... Yoshi was perfect. Yes. The other friend, she felt very mature and kind of scary, like a bully. There's just something about Nagatoro's voice actor. is kind of expected. It's normal for me to watch an anime and there's one character I really care about like Yui from Kaon, Igarashi Senpai is annoying to think, oh, this voice actor isn't as good as the one that I fell in love with in the sub. But I feel like it's just an emotional connection and really the dub is doing a really great job and I just can't accept it because I'm in love with the original. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I may just have a personal bias and probably true that the Nagatoro dub is doing just fine. I don't know. After watching my dress up darling and seeing how they were pretty new and the Nagatoro voice actress is also pretty new, I feel like I'm expecting a bit more. I feel like they were really, really good in that dub and 
I feel like she's falling a little bit flat on some things. She's doing a good job. I don't think she's doing like a bad job, but there are things that I wish she would do a little bit differently. But I will say she's very terrifying when she bullies, like literally the most scary. I'm like, oh my gosh. Probably even scarier than the sub. Yes. I'm like, Senpai, are you going to be okay? Do you need help? Like blink three times if you need to be rescued. So, that's talking about things I've been wanting to watch forever, right? Like mm-hmm. Bleach and One Piece and all that. I remember there was one point in my journey to 150 where I saw Diamond is Unbreakable had come onto Netflix and it was dubbed and I'd been waiting for it. And I thought to myself, I'm like, why don't I just throw this away? This 150 thing, like I'm really close, but like I'll just throw it all away for Diamond is Unbreakable. <laughs> but I didn't. I kept it to myself. I said, no, Spiral, have self-control. Wait till 2022 to watch this. Mm -hmm. You can do it. You are so close to your goal. And here we are. Yeah. We watched Diamond Doesn't Unbreakable episodes one through five. And I gotta say, I may have a new favorite JoJo on the scene. Yeah, me too. And just in general, season four is like one of the best rated ones. So maybe we're gonna like this one even better than the previous seasons too. I don't know. I have always been a Jonathan stan. Like, mm-hmm. I love Jonathan. Which, he doesn't get very many stans, so it's, it's good to be a stan of somebody unpopular. He doesn't. Everybody loves Joseph or Jotaro, but Jonathan was a gentleman. He was amazing. I loved him. Joseph and Jotaro need to be nicer to women. In my opinion, they do. Josuke seems to be protective of women, seems to respect them. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And he seems like a sensitive soul. But then you talk about his hair, you make him angry, and he's ready to kick some butt. Absolutely. I love him. I love his duality. That's a pretty big weakness. I'm a little worried about the future. I don't know, but he can kick butt, so it doesn't really matter. And he seems pretty smart, too. It seems a bit weird that he can heal literally anybody but himself. Yeah, that is kind of weird. But that's a really cool stand to have. Like, I was not expecting that. But yeah, there have been some cool fights. I like his friend. Right now, his friend just randomly got a stand, like, which is pretty cool. His grandpa sure is dumb because he just walked in and died from drinking out of a random liquor bottle. I would think that you wouldn't just randomly find a bottle of your favorite liquor in your house and just drink it dry you didn't buy it and then it's just randomly there and then you drink the you whole know thing what? when you see a drink that i guess you really like at your house you just don't ask any questions you don't ask any questions just drink the entire thing and then you die yeah i mean sometimes it'd be like that i guess so josuke's mom's also pretty cool there's Agreed. a lot of good characters his mom his friend josuke I like how Jotaro got an outfit upgrade, in my opinion. Jotaro, I will say, always looked cool. He always had some cool outfits. But yeah, this season so far has been really weird and awesome. Okay, okay, hold up. Before we move on, though, I have to say this season has already scarred me for life because I'm just like trying to eat my dinner. I'm just trying to watch a show after work. (laughs) I've worked a long day. I come home. I'm like, you know what I want to watch? I want to watch Diamond is Unbreakable. And I'm just sitting here trying to live my life, probably eating a cheeseburger or whatever. And then I have to see a man chomp off the face 
of a dog, dog. Yeah. and spit its blood into the owner's mouth. And I'm like, well. What is wrong with JoJo? I don't know what's wrong with Who JoJo. Who hurt them? I forgot because we used to watch Stardust Crusaders when we would eat too. And we ha- found out like it's kind of yeah. gross and we can't gross. do that. So we're like, all right, we can only watch this when we're not eating dinner. Well, right now we usually watch when we're eating food. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's like, well, guess I can't watch Diamond is Unbreakable right Basically now because ever. there's, I was traumatized by this dog and I don't want to eat during that time. But uh, that's my only complaint is that I now have trauma because of this show. Real trauma. Real trauma. And I love dogs too. So that was so sad. That was really sad. But you know what? JoJo is always here to surprise you. I wouldn't expect any less from JoJo. There's nothing I can predict about JoJo. Like there's always something wild happening. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about it. I'm so excited to be talking about JoJo again. It feels like it's been a really long time since we've had JoJo to talk about. Me too. JoJo is one of my favorite anime to talk about just because it's so crazy. And like there's so many fun things about it. All right, last, but certainly, of course, not least. Definitely not least. We have been watching Attack on Titan Season 4 Part 2, Episodes 1 through 4. And folks, this has been a wild ride so far. Really wild. We watched Episode 4 today. I'm not totally sure what's going on, if I'm going to be honest, with Zeke and Aaron. It's kind of crazy. I wasn't super excited about Episode 1, and then Episode 2 came, and like, I feel like not much happened in Episode 2. But then Episode 3 came, and like, everything just happened all at once. And it was super exciting. Then Episode 4 came, and it's like, kind of like flashback city but flashbacks we haven't seen yet so it's yeah. like they're worth seeing we're finding out that but Aaron i want to see what's involved. happening in present day but then the flashbacks kind of turn into present day because aaron starts talking to the flashbacks that was crazy. and it's like what is happening so we learned that aaron has been more involved in the setup of all of these events than we ever thought possible mm-hmm. like when his dad killed the royal family he basically convinced his dad to do so and his dad has been able to see his future memories like not all of them only some of them seems like Aaron's able to hide them from him or something so Aaron is way more involved in all of this stuff than I ever would have thought He's been like playing 20D chess and Zeke's over here thinking he has the upper hand and we're finding out that no, in fact, Aaron has this whole time apparently had the upper hand over Zeke and it's been insane. Yeah, it really doesn't make any sense. I can't piece it all together yet, but I'm guessing the next episode's going to be really crazy. Yeah, episode three so far has been my favorite. I knew when Falco and Colt came up to Zeke and asked him to postpone his plan that he was not going to do that. But that was still so sad and so intense to watch poor little Falco get turned into a titan and then eat Porco and I think I'm assuming inherit his titan and then kill his brother in the process. Mm-hmm. because his brother was holding on to him while he turned into a titan and that was really sad and really emotional it really was he was there for his brother throughout the whole time and zeke was like listen that's really nice though because i understand what it's like to have a brother anyway <laughs> he's like but i i'm a scream anyway like sorry but i like, hope you enjoyed being brothers like i hope you enjoy mourning your brother oh wait you yeah. can you're dead bye <laughs> Then Gabby's like, I've had enough. 360 no scope. I've had enough. Phase Gabby. And then she just shoots Aaron's head off and then Zeke grabs his head. Grabs it. 
And yeah. the biggest mistake of his life, apparently. Yeah. And then they're transported to the paths. I like how in the past, first of all, Aaron's like, haha, I have defeated you. And then Zeke's like, nah, I could rip these chains off at any time and I've won. And then he's like, are you done yet, Aaron? Can you not see that I have defeated you now? And then he's like, yep, you defeated me. I want out of these memories. And he's like, no, I could do this all day. Wait a second. Our dad seems like a nice guy, actually. What the heck? Oh, no. Am I changing my mind? Yeah. And then he's like, oh, wait, Aaron, you whispered to our dad to do this stuff? And then he was like, wait, no, actually, no, Aaron's super evil. Uh, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then uh, Grisha, like, ends up hugging Zeke and being like, you need to stop Aaron. Which was the most confusing line of the show, because first he seems to be doing things for Aaron, because he knows Aaron's going to beat Zeke in well, the end. Well, I'm starting But then to... he's like, no, I, I'm on your side, Zeke. Well, I saw something that was referring to something that Grisha had said in season one, like you need to fulfill your plan to save Armin and Mikasa and everything. And so I'm thinking that at that point in time, he hadn't seen all of Aaron's memories quite yet. But then later on, he sees his memories and he goes, oh, okay, this is why Aaron's doing these things. So, but that's really confusing for Zeke, right? Because obviously Grisha gave Aaron the attack titan for a reason. He probably wouldn't have done that had he not wanted Aaron's plan to go through. So at some point he must see something that makes him agree with Aaron's plan. But at that particular moment in time, he didn't. Is what I'm assuming? I don't really know. I personally think that it's that Grisha feels weakness a lot and that Aaron will basically bully him into being strong in that moment and like doing what needs to be done in Aaron's mind but it's really taxing for Grisha he doesn't want his kid to be going through all this stuff and he feels weak and he feels like the stuff Aaron's going to do is so terrible but he recognizes that it's good in some way like it's necessary it's necessary or something yeah but Grisha doesn't want that he wants Zeke to stop Aaron from doing it because he may not be able to stop Aaron at the point of the founding Titan because Aaron needs to be given the attack Titan and stuff but he probably also felt like that was his fate that he couldn't escape too sure like he wasn't strong enough to escape that fate especially with Aaron screaming at him every five seconds right and I wonder as well if there's anything Aaron is doing to affect his mentality like if somehow he's able to force him to do things he doesn't want to do well I was wondering and I don't know I have not read the manga so this is all just me wondering so to get the fountain founding titaner to make it activate he needs to come into contact with somebody royal right Mm -hmm. but he already did that with Historia yeah so has he been playing Zeke the whole time and he actually has the founding titan already? Oh, I, I see what you mean. No, the power of the founding titan only works when the founding titan is in contact with royal blood. So he's able to use it when he's in contact with somebody who has royal blood. So when he was holding Historia, he could use it. Okay. Does that make any sense? He could use it back then. It does, but I thought he would gain that person's power once he made contact with them. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he doesn't just gain it. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe it stays permanent at a certain point through some kind of different logic that I'm just not understanding. Maybe, like maybe I'm not understanding. Maybe Zeke gives him even more power because he's related well, to Zeke. I think he... I think Zeke doesn't know about Historia, so he's just been yeah. lying to him the whole time about him being the only way he could use the Founding Titan. 
but he definitely can use it when he's at least in contact but then he tried to use it again later and it didn't work, so. Yeah, it just seems like, especially from the ending, obviously, like you said, he does the T-pose. Like Zeke falls on his butt <laughs> and he does a T-pose like, I am better than you. <laughs> I am better than you. T-poses menacingly. Yeah, it just seems like Aaron has more up his sleeve that he's still not showing. It seemed at first like Zeke was getting the best of him, but now it seems obvious to me that Aaron has had all of this figured out and in his mind and he knows that Zeke's gonna lose. Which I'm like, when did Aaron get so smart? Like, I guess knowing the future. Yeah, knowing the future can really help that. Yeah, but <laughs> like, it just seems like he's smarter though than like just having the future be helpful. Like he's able to make all these strategic moves and like move all these puzzle pieces around and maybe he's been studying my boy Armin. Well, and apparently he doesn't really need to, like if you're dealing with the future, do you really need to move all these puzzle pieces around when it just all, you know, it's all going to happen if you just are there and you're present? I suppose. I'll say though that, oh, my prediction, I, I was going to predict that uh, something crazy happens because everybody's been saying, like everybody that we've heard that has read the manga says that the ending is sad or something. And so I've been trying to predict that something crazy happens like Armin as the colossal titan crushes Aaron underneath his foot <gasps> and murders everyone my reason for that is that Aaron is what I would consider the most transformational character in the anime and he seeked freedom which was escape from the walls being able to be uh -huh. free from everything and in the op you see the colossal titan crush a butterfly underneath its feet and a butterfly is a trans is a symbol of transformation but the butterfly has lost one of its wings and wings are a symbol of freedom and i feel as though those two things mixed together kind of symbolize Aaron. And so mm. my guess is that Aaron dies at the end of Attack on Titan because of the OP. Because Armin crushes him? Because Armin crushes him underneath his Why feet. Why would Armin do that? I don't know. Armin seems like the one person who has made the most complicated and crazy decisions you're throughout right, the anime. Right. And Armin, he's the strategic next in line after Erwin. Erwin had to make the decision to kill a bunch of people, basically. And he decided to go for it even though that was really hard for him. And I feel like Armin's going to have to make that same decision, whether or not to kill basically his friends. And I think he's we'll going see. to end up doing it. My prediction is Aaron's going to sacrifice himself and commit mass genocide on all the Marleans so that his friends can live in peace without people bothering them. That's what I think is going to happen because Aaron is crazy. And I, I think, think he it's would possible sacrifice. that that is true, that that would happen. But I think Armin's going to stop him from killing all the Marleans. Really? You I think, think... He's, I think that exact thing might end up happening. And then Armin Ooh, would stop him by so killing both him. both our predictions are true. I think that that might be the case. We'll see. We'll have to just keep on watching. All right. Well, that does it for this episode of Talk No Jutsu. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening.